Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Royal London, who, as proud sponsors of One Day Cricket, are also the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company, providing financial services to millions of people across the country. To find out more, visit www.royallondon.com. Hi, I'm Simon Hughes, and this is the Analyst Inside Cricket, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Graham Smith, former South African captain who's been commentating with us enjoyably for the last month or so. In fact, he seems to have been here endlessly. I'm sure he's desperate to get home. Graham, um, firstly, have you enjoyed yourself over here or are you actually quite quite fed up and ready to get back now? No, I mean, it's, it's been my longest stint away, certainly since I gave up as a player, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think there's been a lot of different challenges from the Champs Trophy through to, you know, this Test Series and uh, I've worked with some good people, learnt a fair amount of broadcasting skills from some very high quality people so it's been good honestly you've actually learned something from Jeffrey Boycott <laughs> surely not well I mean there's a good team of guys with all many different mannerisms and skills and you know trying to format your own path in it and bring your own sort of touch to things has been has been good uh, I've also been with TMS also which has been uh, enjoyable some good people there and uh, do you think um, commentary is a thing for you to to pers- persevere with I mean are you really enjoying it or are you thinking it's just a sort of interim period in your life? No, I mean, obviously I love the game and, um, you know, we'll always consider opportunities in the game. I, I think the media thing was something that I never really thought I would do, but I've, I've started to enjoy it. I've enjoyed this this period. I think any any time you can engage and, and the feedback's good and people are enjoying what you're doing and the cricket's good, then, uh, then, then I'll definitely consider it. Now, obviously, uh, you have a, have a very important role to have played in English cricket. You've ruined the careers of the last three England captains. Uh, for once, you haven't done that coming here. Joe Root will uh, be able to take the Basil D'Oliveira Trophy for the first time since 1998 for an England captain. Only the second time since we've beaten you since 1960 at home. Incredible performance. Firstly, how have you f- felt jo- Joe Root has done? 
I think he's been really good. I mean, there's always going to be moments where he needs to learn and develop and find confidence in his own gut feel and decision making. But I think he, he's been really solid. Uh, I thought uh, today has been excellent in particular, his decision making. You know, maybe the odd declaration at the Oval, I think his gut instinct was right, maybe got talked out of it a little bit. So he'll find more conviction and trust and confidence in his own decision-making. But you can feel that when he bats and when you watch him, he's got a good feel for the game, a good tempo and, the, and, and spirit about the way that he thinks about things. I think the other thing that he also has is he seems to have you know, steeliness, but also a good demeanour, playful demeanour, which I think the, his teammates will, will enjoy. Is that something that is important for a captain to have? Because I guess you, you go through the trials and tribulations, you have your ups and downs as captain. And I know what, one thing Michael Vaughan always said, and it was clear actually from watching him at close hand, is to try and keep an even sort of temperament and actually not give away too much about what you're think, thinking or feeling. Actually sort of stay fairly constant, so not too up or too down. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, you know, trying to control your emotions, you know, I think you, you, you watched all the time as a leader, whether it's by your players, the cameras, the public, you know, um, often you deal with a lot of those emotions internally, um, you need to consider things before you act, there are going to be times where you need to be firm and hard on your team, there are going to be times where you can relax and enjoy moments with them also, you know, and ultimately, you know, finding that balance is a challenge, you, you know, cricket now has become a full-time traveling experience you know you're around your guys your players your management all the time it's become like a family and it's almost like managing it that way and then tactically being really smart and being able to challenge people to be better than what they are what about South Africa because obviously you came here and won three times now this is South African side having won one test have sort of looked a little bit fragile since then so, A, what do you put the, the fragility down to? And B, do you worry about the future of the team? I think at this stage you do. I think there's quite a few decisions that need to be made in South African cricket. There's areas of this current test team that's looked very fragile, um, certainly on the batting lineup. Um, I think there's, a, there's definitely going to be a leadership change uh, from the coaching department, uh, the impact that new coach makes, the, the generation, this next sort of phase of who's coming through, who's pushing for places. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at it, there's not really one person that you would go, wow, that guy's the next one in. You know, maybe Markram in the squad, but around him and in domestic level, you know, there's probably just that little gap in terms of things, the cycle of how things work where you're looking for good quality players to come through. Um, yeah, so I think there is a little phase where you know South African cricket needs to grow and, and develop, and I think the next leadership role is going to play an important building phase in that. Let's have a look at the uh, the averages quickly because um, we, we we just got them up here. In fact, Vernon Philander is top batting average and top bowling average, and then people like Amla Amla you know threatened a little bit today, didn't he? Back to some of his best, but hasn't really made one big score. The highest score is 87, only 100. That was Dean Elgar. Uh, Temba Bavuma looks, looks promising but can't quite kind of deliver in terms of actual quantities of runs, although he looks good. Fafty Plessis, apart from today's innings, hasn't had a big innings. Quinton de Kock's been disappointing. Yeah, I mean, they just struggled to get it together. You know, there's been a lack of partnerships in the top six. Um, there been the odd innings from Dean Algo, as you say, the odd innings from Amla. But, um, you know, not enough in that top six uh, of, of any substance. And, and that's why they're in this, in this position. Well, they just Mr. Warren. I can't post any totals and uh, the real lack of consistency and, and technical ability at times throughout the series. I think Vernon being on top of the averages uh, with, with both bat and ball just adds to the frustration on his fitness levels. You know, there's someone that you really need out in the middle to make the contributions and that's been a challenge. I must say, actually, I've been really disappointed with Vernon Philander and I, I, I know you, 
you know, you're in a slightly difficult position because you're still quite close to the team. But his commitment to the team's cause has been, frankly, pathetic. Uh, just the fact that he bowls those five or six overs with a new ball and then seems to disappear for the rest of the day and, in fact, isn't even in this match is really quite disappointing. And somehow, maybe Otis Gibson is the man to get hold of him and actually get more out of him because he's a brilliant cricketer who just doesn't put in enough for the team. And I think that's one of, one of the problems. Now, what about if you had to choose... For, for South Africa, if you had to choose one of Moen Ali, Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow, the sort of engine room of the team, who would you like to have in your team? Oh, I don't know if I'd ever want an Englishman in a South African team. Eh? We put the South Africans in the English team. You know, mm. Works the other way around. Well, just say that... <laughs> just, <laughs> well, you, we can, you can have um, Ben Stokes as a sort of honorary New Zealander, well, maybe. I, I think, I mean, you know, that... They're all brilliant players to watch and play the game on the front foot. They've got great energy and spirit and, and ability. Uh, South Africa would dream of having an all-round option like that at the moment um, and make a, a huge difference to their lineup. But who um, have you been the most impressed with, actually, out of... Well, it, well, you could be all three, I suppose. I think all three, they sort of... Uh, they dovetail really well, you know. You, you, at the moment, um, almost like a crackerjack middle order to lower order... You know, each of them can make a really big impact and take the game away from you at different times. And, and uh, you know, on any given day, one of them seems to contribute or it has been that way through the series. Would you have any of them higher up the order? Would you have, you know, would you say that perhaps England could solve their constant batting dilemma by bumping all of them up and having five and six and seven? Oh, I like them where they are. I think if England can find anyone sort of at the top of the order, obviously the two debutants, uh, then they've got Jennings. I think if they can find people to contribute consistently at the top, you have those guys who, through the middle to lower order, really can can hurt you as a as a team. You know, especially if you've got to work hard to get through the top order. And you've got, you know, I used to think about the time when Gilchrist used to come in at seven when when Australia had that power. Um, batting lineup, you know. By the time you get to Gilchrist, the guys are dead on their feet. They work, work their, mm. their backsides off, mm. and uh, just a natural scoring ability at seven can really just put the final nail in. Obviously, this is all. I mean, South Africa is sort of irrelevant, really, because this is all just preparation for the Ashes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who, who, who at this precise moment, who do you pick out of England and Australia, having seen England at fairly close hand recently? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. I think uh, Australia will have pace. I guess the challenge for them is how their sort of younger batsmen perform in a, in a big series. Um, I think the same applies to England. I think if both batting units can post totals, whoever bats better in that tour, you, you'd think would, would go on to, to win it. It might sound obvious, but it's not always that easy. So, you know, I think it could be one of the more even ashes that we've seen for a while. And uh, for you... Uh, you've just got to go and get fit, haven't you? Because you've been called chubby by Jeffrey Boycott <laughs> constantly for the last five weeks or so. So how are you going to go about that? And what are you going to say to him next time you see him? Well, I mean, Jose... You still call him baldy, of course. He's, he's been a lot kinder to me than he has to you. At least he gives me a hug after he calls me chubby. No, I'm um, scared of you, that's more... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's tough. Uh, it's been brilliant to work with. He's had a good sense of humour. There's been a good. He's ban- mad, isn't he? Basically, yeah, he's, he's nuts, and there's been a good banter in the in the com box. Um, so yeah, it's been a good laugh. So are you going to do some 10k runs when you get home and well, you know, get that weight off? Unfortunately, I've signed up to do a marathon with Francois Pinot for to raise money for education. I think I'd had too many wines when I agreed to it. So I've got to somehow pull my finger out some somewhere and and do something in the Hold next month. <laughs> what does he say? Ball out spinners. <laughs> I don't know. What was that? I don't that know. Was a, that was a sledge from yeah. Shane Warne, actually. Did he used to sledge you? Uh, he, he didn't hold back, would he? We had a couple of good battles. Um, 
and still do. Good mates played at Rajasthan together, won the IPL the yes, first year. Yes, of course. So, yeah, we go well, along that was an extraordinary thing yeah. with um, cheap players and you know people who were over the hill, and you still won. Amazing, <laughs> fantastic performance. Listen, it's been a real pleasure. You know why? Because you've got a sense of humour. As well as your great eminence as a cricketer, you don't take yourself too seriously. So it's been really fun having you. I appreciate that, Joseph. Thank you, buddy. Likewise. OK, well, great. Have a good trip home. <laughs> Have a good trip home. He's running off to catch his plane to get back to South Africa. And after the break, we'll talk to Stuart Broad about the approach to bowling and getting better at bowling and also a little bit about perhaps this series and why there have been so many batting collapses. Well, welcome back to the analyst inside cricket. Now, England, obviously, over the last few months have suffered an awful lot of batting collapses. There have been actually 22 in the last 39 test matches. Some of them have been really quite serious. And so I thought it would be quite interesting to, to talk to Stuart Broad, who's obviously been heavily involved in this series, about why he thinks there have been quite a number of batting collapses in the series and also how his body's feeling after four tests in a short space of time. Can you explain why both teams have tended to collapse batting-wise so often in this series? A lot of batting collapses. I think... Um the pitches have been very good cricket pitches, so there's been a bit there for batter and bowler. Um, but actually, probably more for the for the bowler than I've seen in a in a Test match series. Really, I mean, um, pretty much every pitch we've played on has offered some sort of movement, either spin or seam. Um, and actually, there's two very good bowling attacks as well. So the batsmen have been under pressure a lot of time. Uh, they've had to work extremely hard for the runs. Um, so that's made it an exciting series. But it's, I mean, it's it's hard to explain why collapses happen but sometimes you have to look at the bowling and say there's a lot of pressure being being added I mean you look our collapse at Trent Bridge someone said sort of Philander was pitching in line of the stumps for 36 balls out of 40 or something I mean that is incredibly uh, incredible bowling putting batsmen under pressure and for you you know a month of cricket four tests in a row how's the body I've shrunk a bit I think um, no I feel fine to be honest I mean as I say like it's not it's not been a a test series like you'd get in India where you're doing 160, 170 overs in the field at a time. So um, although the games have come around very quickly, I mean, we blinked and we were playing again on Friday, weren't we? So um, they have come around quickly, but the workloads haven't been extreme. So um, fortunately, Touchwood, the body feels pretty good and we've still got a lot of cricket coming up for the rest of the summer. A bowler should know what's going on with their action and the feel of it, etc. But actually a coach... Um, does a lot more video work uh, so someone like Otis Gibson who I've worked a lot with actually opened the bowling with for Leicestershire back in the day knows my action almost as well as I do so he can pick up technical flaws very quickly and put them right uh, and obviously with all their experience and um, I suppose qualifications they they have a sort of process to be able to to help a bowler get their action back to the best possible place. Um, um, can you give an example of the, the kind of thing that might go wrong with your action that needs correcting and how that process works with you and Otis? Yeah, I mean, uh, quite a, a real example over the past couple of years, I've had a lot to left-handers um, round the wicket, so my, my action has got used to trying to move the ball away from the left-hander, and then when I've come up over the wicket to the right-hander, my action stayed the same and pushed it into the to the right-hander, which is uh, which is okay, it's not a, a particularly bad thing, because I don't mind the ball nipping back to the right-hander, but actually you still want to be releasing the ball from a high action. So um, we've tried, we've been working over the summer really, just technically before each test of the release point and um, making sure that my action changes slightly from right-hander to left-hander, because it's very easy 
when you play so much cricket, it's really easy to fall into slightly bad habits. And um, it, it's the bowling coach's responsibility with the player to to just keep short, make sure you're doing little um, drills and stuff to keep your action in a good place. Just watching the presentation here at the Old Trafford, the Emirates Old Trafford, seeing uh, the England team about to be presented with the Basil Dolivier Trophy by Tom Harrison, the chief executive of the ECB. England, it's been a pretty impressive performance. Uh, I'm just looking at their averages. Joe Root is top of the averages. You wouldn't know it really, would you? He hasn't had one outstanding innings since that 190 at Lords. Uh, he's done a lot of kind of useful work and looked excellent without ever getting a second big score, but he's still averaging 57. Far away, the, the leading average in the England ranks. Bairstow after him with 41. Ben Stokes, 37. Moen Alley, 36. So those all-rounders that we've talked about have been the, the stars for England, and one of them is just walking forward now to be made man of the match. Moen Alley, of course, who in this game took his five-wicket haul in the second innings, five for 69 to go with that dynamic batting as well. When England were just struggling a bit in their second innings, uh, take the attack to the South African spinner in particular. What a star player he's becoming. Um, obviously some question marks over the, the other batsmen. Alistair Cook has done OK, averaging 33 in the series. Tom Wesley averaged 30, actually, with that 59 at the oval. And then the others, particularly Keaton Jennings and David Milan, will be waiting anxiously to see what their fate will be. Keaton Jennings averaging 15 from the four tests and, and David Milan actually just two tests averaging eight so neither of those have done too well that's Morley Morkel who's been made uh, South Africa's man of the series deservedly so for his consistent efforts I think he's beaten the bat 90 times in the series so he's had an incredibly unlucky series still taking the 19 wickets though and uh, just kept going throughout even despite the absence of Philander and other things that have happened that have gone badly for, for South Africa. Morley Morgan has stood up and, and really kept the attack going for them throughout. It's been a, a very impressive from him. Now, um, as far as the uh, what England do now is, is concerned, it, it's going to be an anxious wait, obviously, for the uh, two batsmen, Milan. I think England might stick with Milan. He's only played two tests, and he's shown some sort of uh, natural affinity with test match environment, even though I think that the, uh, the atmosphere was perhaps uh, surprised him slightly. The amount of buzz and noise around the ground you know, takes players a little bit by surprise the first time they come to a test match. But he's got something. He's got a bit of time to play the ball. He's got a range of shots that would be good at number five if he could only just stay in. He, he said that to me the other day, actually. He said, I just need to play in innings. Well, that's absolutely right. Keaton Jennings just doesn't look right for opening the batting in Test cricket. The Aussies will be licking their lips thinking of him as England's opening partner to Alistair Cook in the winter. So I think they do need to make a change there, whether that is the uh, Surrey opener Mark Stoneman or whether it's someone else. Going back to Alex Hales, who's in incredible form for Knox. He's just got a double hundred today, but batting at number five. So I can't see that happening. Uh, maybe they will give Mark Stoneman a go with uh, the weight of runs that he's scored over the last couple of months and obviously been consistent and knows his game. He's in his 30s, so he's a little bit more familiar with the, the, the task of building innings on different pitches in different conditions, etc. So I, I, I suppose he would be favourite for the, the uh, leg up to the test level. England's next test match, of course, is 
the day-night game at Edgbaston against the West Indies in 10 days' time. It won't be easy batting against a pink ball in English conditions. So whoever gets the job will have to play pretty well. Just looking at England's bowling briefly, Jimmy Anderson uh, is the top of the averages, averaging uh, just 14 with his 20 wickets. So he's obviously got plenty of energy left in his legs. Um, Moen Ali, the leading wicket taker with 25 wickets. 25 wickets for Moen Ali, 252 runs in the series. And the clapping you can hear in the background is because he's elected man of the series as well as man of the match. And fantastic credit to him and his efforts. He spends every day wheeling away on the practice nets or the practice pitches to the side of the to the actual main square, just bowling and bowling and bowling, bowling on a handkerchief, bowling on a uh, what looks like a tea towel, aiming ball after ball at, at that spot and trying to improve his accuracy. And it was really rewarded today by his consistency, using a, a, a worn pitch very effectively, getting that big wicket of Hashimamla and, and generally seeing England to victory, which and just at one point with that partnership between Faf du Plessis and Hashim Mamla uh, looked as if it, well, it looked as if South Africa had you know, a 10% chance anyway of, of winning, even though most of us knew that once a wicket fell, the end would, would come quickly, and it did. And England are deserved winners. 3-1 of this Basil Dolivera trophy. It was a, a very good team effort generally. Their fielding has been outstanding throughout the four tests. They've taken some great catches particularly Ben Stokes. Several of his slip catches to the spinners actually have been stunning, never mind that grab he got yesterday off the uh, the slice of the last ball of the day, grabbing it, sort of plucking it out of thin air, right off the ground, uh, off uh, the quicker bowlers. So, you know, England's fielding, quite apart from their uh, bowling, has been excellent. Batting, obviously top order batting, has been a bit faulty, but generally they've managed to cobble together enough runs. And interestingly, in each match of this series the team batting first has won the match so there's a, a lesson in that somewhere now that brings us on to highlight low light and I suppose I'd say the highlight for me would actually be those pitches which have always been quite interesting quite uh, sporty pitches to play test cricket on as a result we've only had one game go to the fifth day and that was because of the rain at the oval generally they've ended in four days like this one but it's good to see pitches do a bit for the faster bowlers and actually tax the batsmen test them when one day cricket is so much one way traffic and batsmen just find everything so easy to see them have to work out a way of making runs and, 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 and eke out a survival and accumulate runs and try and get on top of the bowlers has been a really good riveting watch so well done to the grounds I think for generally creating uh, interesting cricket pitches low light well, that would have to be, I suppose, not that there is many at the moment, but the low light would have to be Old Trafford or Lancashire today or the ECB maybe charging a fiver for kids to get in. I don't see the point of that. We've only got about 2,000 people, 2,000, 3,000 people here today at Old Trafford. It would be fantastic if we could have got a whole load of kids in summer holidays, let them in free and really create a great atmosphere. The atmosphere here at Old Trafford over the, the two previous days of the Test match has been really good. But you want a full house on a Monday. You want to see England celebrating their victory in front of lots and lots of people and inspire the next generation. It would have been a real, uh, just a kind of inspiring thing to do, a, a sensible thing to do, a, uh, just a proactive thing to do to allow kids in today for nothing. Instead, they charged a fiver and we've only got a spring team. So that's a real shame. Raw London Player of the Week has to be Marin Alley. 
I just think his consistency and his, his freewheeling laissez-faire, what will be, will be is such a, uh, a rewarding, enlightening way to, to watch cricket, having him at the forefront of, of the game all the time. The way he took the attack to South Africa yesterday with the bat was, was fantastic to watch. And it just makes you feel just glad that England have, have given him that you know, freedom, really, that licence to be able to play in his own natural way. And, and the response that he showed there was, was incredibly rewarding and deservedly. He is, of course, man of the series as well as Royal London Player of the Week. Of course, Simon Mann is on holiday this week, away, sunning himself somewhere. He'll be back next week when we preview that day-night test match at Edgebaston which starts on Thursday the 17th of August and I'll speak to you all then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.